Oftentimes, we can get to a place of complacency in the church. We can be very comfortable where we are. But God has challenged us as believers in the body of Christ to step out of our comfort zone and expand his kingdom. This series is about submitting to God's will and vision for the church, being completely dedicated, heart and soul. Good morning. Everybody good? Good, good, good. Um, excited about today. Uh, don't let the khaki pants fool you. Just didn't have any clean jeans. So, um, been behind on the washing. We have, we've, we've gotten behind a little bit. Notice I said we because men can operate the washer too, right, ladies? Can I get an amen from the ladies? Yeah, and uh, go ahead and get you on my side today anyway. And, uh, but uh, no, I, I walked in today with khaki pants on and everybody's like, man, you look really nice today. I was like, that's bad, right? Just, just khaki pants and uh, so maybe I need to start dressing better. But uh, anyway, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Connection. If this is the first time you've ever been here, man, we are glad to have you. And uh, you're here on a very special day. Um, we're going to talk about the vision of this church. And um, I know for a lot of people, like you might hear uh, vision and wonder like, okay, um, probably wouldn't have come if I'd have known that, right? But here's the reality of it. Jesus in the last service took one person from death to life already today. So I think that's pretty stinking awesome. And... Uh, Believing that, that God still today has people that he wants to bring to himself, people that he wants to fill with the power of his Holy Spirit. And, and we're talking today, again, looking at just taking big steps of faith. And we're going to get into this. And it'll be in 2 Kings chapter 4 as we continue the Heart and Soul series. Already through this series, I would say eight, but now it's nine people um, have come to faith in Christ through this, the first uh, four weeks of this series, three and a half, I guess, since we've got one more service here now. But three and a half weeks of this uh, this series, we've seen nine people go from death to life, uh, and it's been absolutely incredible as we talk about the vision, what God calls us to do, taking steps of faith, being in community, and being a community on mission, and then being a church and a group of people who take steps of faith, trusting that God will, will, will be faithful, and uh, whatever uh, we give God, that he'll fill it with his glory and with his power. And uh, it's been amazing to see people respond to the gospel as we presented it in these different ways. And uh, I just believe that today, maybe the step of faith that some people need to take is, is to come to faith in Christ, to allow him to fill you with his spirit, um, to come into a place of relationship with God through him, and, and to come to a place of forgiveness of sins. And, and you're going to have an opportunity for that at the end of the service. Um, we've already seen one today. I just believe God is moving, man. I have, I have really, really been expecting about this for a while now and, and just want to encourage you, like if God moves in your heart today, whatever it is, take your next step. Let us take it with you and, and let's watch God do some amazing, incredible things um, through our lives um, individually, but especially as a whole. And so we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be talking about what God's called us to do as a church. And we'll get to these uh, jars over here in a minute and explain what each of those are. But um, right now, what I'd love to do uh, is pray for us. And then we're going to jump into the message. We'll be in Second Kings 4. We'll get there in just a minute. But let's pray and let's ask God to do something incredible in our presence today. Um, he's here. He's faithful. He's promised to be here when we gather in his name and for his purposes. And that's why we're here today. And so let's believe um, that he's going to do big things. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us, for giving us your presence, God. 
for being so faithful that even when we're unfaithful, your word says that you remain faithful. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you never stop pursuing us, that you give us the opportunity for life. And I pray today, Lord, we would come alive as your spirit dwells in us, God. For those who don't know you, God, that you would draw them to you, that that your word would pierce their hearts. For those, God, who are here and they do know you, that you would fill us afresh with your spirit, that we would go out and be um, light in a dark world. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us, your presence here with us. Lord, we give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, I mentioned earlier that we've seen non-salvations in, in uh, this series, and um, actually throughout the last three years, just um, the last three years, including 2013, we've seen 240 nine people now it's 48 the last service 49 people who've come to faith in christ put their faith in christ gone from death to life we've seen 303 um, baptisms over the last five years and i think that's pretty awesome to see that over 500 people have taken significant steps of faith following christ it doesn't include people who stepped up to serve it doesn't include people who've gotten into connect groups it doesn't include people who've given faithfully to to allow god to do the things that he's done um, to be a vessel that that pours out into people's lives there's so many people who've taken next steps and we're so excited about that But I can remember when we sat down with our church about five, almost five years ago, November 17th will be five years. We're going to celebrate that Sunday like crazy, what God's doing and look forward to what he's going to do. But when we sat down the first time, there was about 12 of us and this was almost five years ago. We sit down and we're like, what does God want to do? Like, like, what is it that he wants to do through this church, through us? And so we started just talking, praying, dreaming, God, what do you want to do? What's, what's, you know, what's the, what's the vision? What's the goal? What are we trying to do, Lord? And he gave us a mission statement of connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. But we also felt very strongly that he gave us a vision of what we were called to do. And I believe mission and vision becomes a mindset more than a strategic plan. It becomes a mindset. It becomes the direction that you're life goes. It began, we need a vision for our life. Where do we want to end up? We want to end up inten- uh, unintentionally where we desire to be at the end of our life. As a church, when, we're, when this is said and done and you and I are handing this thing off to our, our children or grandchildren and they're running with it, where do we want it to be? Like, what is God calling us to get to? And we sat down and we came up with a vision we call 202080. And that meant that we were going to reach 2000 people with the gospel of Jesus Christ by the year 2020. And here's the thing, on August the 28th, I believe it was, we had 1,380 people who attended Connection Church. Since August, we've averaged about 1,150 to 1,200 people on a Sunday. Here's the thing about it though, when I had to stand up a couple of Sundays later and tell people the vision of this church, we had 40. Like if we stood up now and we're like, hey, we're gonna reach 2,000 people, we believe God's gonna do that. That's what God's called us to do. Praise God, amen. You'd be like, meh, okay. But 40 right? It's crazy. And I felt like, 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 I felt like when I announced it, people looked at me like my zipper was down. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, dang. He don't know that, does he? You know what I mean? And, and it's like, I felt like when I announced that, it was, it, it was like people were looking at me like that. And this is, this is the typical clap we got. And we we're like, yeah. And they're like, Right. And so they're like, I don't know if we need to clap. Should we applaud his insanity? What is he thinking? And, and so, you know, we announced it and we're like, yes, God's going to do great things. And, and you know what? The amazing thing was we thought we had this plan. We thought we had this, no doubt. And God has done exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think of imagine since the beginning. It's been absolutely incredible. In fact, if God had stuck to our plan, we would be at about 600 people right now. 
If you would have told me that, that, that five years ago that we would be where we are, I would have said, you're crazy. But God desires to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think of or imagine, bringing people to himself and bringing glory to himself if we'll be faithful. That's what God desires to do. He wants to do that in and through our lives. I would love to be able to tell you that like when I stood up that day, that I was completely confident that there was no uncertainty, that there was no doubt of like what God was going to do. But I'll admit to you, I was like, I don't know, perhaps, right? Perhaps that was about the best I could have. I have the best I had was cautiously optimistic is basically what it was. I was like, well, maybe, but we're going to take the step and we're going to see what God desires to do. But I began to read in scripture, and as I still read in scripture, I began to realize that God never gave a vision to anyone that was able to be done in their own power. It was always something bigger than, think about Moses. Moses is told, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses had to be like this, like, what else, God? What else? Are you, who you, like, we're going to take an army? What are we going to do? God said, just go tell him. And then he told him, he said, no, he goes back, what do I tell him now? Tell him again. Right? And he goes and he just keeps doing this. It wasn't this, this great plan. Moses only knew to take the next step. You think about Joshua leading the people across the Jordan River during harvest season where it's just flooded and it's just raging. And he's got, he goes up to the people and he's like, in three days we're crossing the river. So get ready, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart to the Lord. Three days we're crossing over this river. How? I don't even know if he knew, Right? And then he goes and he tells them, listen, the ark's going to go before us. You people put that box on your shoulders, carry it up there, step in the river. When you step in the river, good luck, right? And the river parts, they walk across on dry ground. And you know, they were chest bumping. They were excited. They were like, that was awesome. Water piled up, man. It was cool. We walked across on dry ground. And then they're, they're high-fiving, chest bumping, all excited. And they turn around and look and there's Jericho. What do we do now? Okay, now I want you to walk around the wall seven times. When the seventh time comes, I want you to shout and, and just, just do that. And they're like, what's going to happen after that? Just shout, right? And they shout, the wall's falling. God never really showed them the full plan. In fact, if we knew every single step, every single detail right now of what God desires to do in our lives and in the church, this body that we belong to, I don't think we could handle it. I think it would blow our minds so much to the point that, that we would, we would, we'd be so overwhelmed. We would probably melt. And yet God has given us some very clear things that we believe he's called us to do. I'd like for you to think about these things today as empty jars. They're empty jars that God desires to fill up. If you have your Bibles open or turn your Bible on or whatever you have to do to get to this passage, um, 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And I want to talk to you about this concept of giving God empty jars or giving God room to move. Having a mindset that I never want to sit here with this full jar or this full box or this full life and never give God room to move in my life. In this scripture, a prophet named Elisha is dealing with a widowed woman. She believes that, that she can't, it's not going to be able to pay her debts. Um, her, her husband's uh, creditors are about to come and take her, her children. And she's in desperate situation. And yet God does something miraculous through her life. And so if you look at second Kings chapter four, verse one, it says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And listen to this verse, or this last part of verse two. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. 
The first thing I want you to see in this, this, whole, this whole account in 2 Kings 4 is this. The woman, she looked at what she had and she saw scarcity. She didn't see enough, but God looked at what she had and he saw an abundance. Many times we look at what we have and we look at who we are. We look at our gifts. We look at our finances. We look at everything in our lives. We look at our position. Maybe it doesn't seem like a position of influence. And we look at it and we see a scarcity of it rather than an abundance. But when God looks at us, he says, if you'll just give me the little that you have, I'll do a lot. Either clap or don't because we got a lot to cover. That's one of that. I'm telling you, it's like that. It gets like that. And, and, and here's the thing. He, he, she saw this little bitty bit, but God saw an abundance. He saw a provision. He saw a way to do things that she couldn't do in and of herself. He saw a miracle in her life. That's what's awesome about God. Is that he knew if you'll give me, think about Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with, with two fish and five loaves of bread, Right? A little boy offers his lunch. He's like, it ain't much, but he can have it. I'll just be hungry. Probably gave Jesus some sad eyes. Like, you really going to take my lunch? And then gives it to him. He multiplies it and a miracle takes place. In our lives, God is not as interested in what we can do as much as he is interested in what he can do through us. What we see is a very little bit. God sees it as a lot. Listen to verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. The other thing I think this text teaches us is this. Ask God to do great things. Here's the thing for many of us that we believe, well, my faith is not big enough. The the vision of this church, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know if I have enough faith, God. I told Susan the other night, I don't know if I have enough faith for this. I don't know if I can believe enough for this. And and, and the thing that the Lord showed me and sort of rebuked me with is that he's already told us if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. It's not the size of our faith that matters. it's, It's the size of our God in whom we put our faith. That matters. He can move mountains. We sang the song and I believe it. Now she, she goes and he, he tells her, don't ask for just a few jars. Get a bunch of them. Gather them up. God's about to do something incredible. As a church, I never want to, to try to contain God in some little box or some little, little jar. I want to have so many jars lined up that when God fills one, we give him another one. And, and listen, I don't believe that, that, that we're waiting on God to move. I believe that God's waiting on us to do what he's already told us to do. God will continue to move. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Elisha tells her, don't ask for just a few. He says, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. Put it to one side. And so basically what he's saying is, listen, don't fill up one jar and stop. Get another one. Put it in front of of, of the other jar. Fill it up. Fill it up. The, The oil will keep flowing. And so he's telling her, listen, go out. Have great faith. Go and grab jars. Bring the jars in. Get as many as you can and begin to fill them up. Here's the thing that I see happen, though, a lot of times in church. As one jar is filled, we get really comfortable with a full jar. Anybody ever notice that? Like, like we're comfortable when things are full, when our bank account's full, when, when our house is, is full, and we, and we feel comfortable, when we're comfortable in a community, when we're comfortable with life. We really like that. But here's the thing I know about God. God has not called us to be 
comfortable. God has called us to be about his kingdom. That's our call as people to be about his kingdom. Sometimes we think about asking God for great things is that thing where we go, God, I just would love a mansion with gold toilets. If you could, if you could work that out for me, God, that'd be awesome, right? I'd love this, this new car. God, God, please give me that. Okay, God, I gave a thousand dollars. I'm sure that means I'm supposed to get 10,000 back, right? And God's going, no, it just means I'll bless you with my presence and peace and joy in your life because I needed that thousand dollars. And it's really not about your comfort. It's about my kingdom and bless you for giving. You can't outgive God. It's a fact. We also don't demand like what we want from God. God always blesses us. He would be a debtor to no one. But here's the reality. We ask for great things. We're asking for God to do great things in his kingdom. He'll provide. He'll take care. The Bible is very clear. One of my favorite verses in scripture is in Matthew 6, 33. If we'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. He takes care of his people, but he calls us not to seek so much our comfort as he calls us to seek to do his will. The death of a lot of missions and visions and churches has been that we saw a full jar and we got comfortable with it and we refused to give God room to move. I never want to get to the end of our lives having not asked God for big things. When we were in uh, St. Augustine on vacation a few years ago, my son Jackson broke his right arm. If you see him today, he'll have a cast on his left arm. It's broken too. He broke his elbow about three, two weeks ago, fell off his ripstick, which is like a skateboard thing and, and broke his elbow. And so he's always in a cast, it seems like. And so we were down there, he broke his arm on the first day of vacation. How about that with like a three-year-old that can't get in a pool on vacation now because he's got a cast on his arm. So we go to the, the hospital, we go get the, the, get his arm, um, uh, cast it up and we're coming back and his granddaddy was with us and he said Jackson what do you want anything you want what, do, what would you like to go get buddy you've had a bad day what would you like and Jackson goes ice cream I'm like whoa, whoa well, let's back up just a second here your granddaddy just said I'll get you whatever you want whatever I'm thinking fishing pole I'm thinking four-wheeler I'm thinking I'm thinking mom and daddy something, you know, let's just get the whole van full of people something. I'm thinking big and he goes ice cream. And, and, but then I think about that and I think about it in terms of how we live a lot of times with God when we're, we're, we're advancing the kingdom. A lot of times God desires to reach more. He desires to do incredible things. And the thing that we do though is we ask for ice cream, Right. And God, who can provide it all, who draws people to himself, who desires, his word says that none should perish, but all would come to eternal life, that, that this God who can do incredible things, we just shortchange him and go, just give us ice cream, God. Ice cream's good. I had some last night. It's very good. But I don't want to settle for ice cream when God's got bigger things in mind. I don't want to be a church that quits believing God to do greater things. And so we want to give God plenty of empty jars. Listen to this in verse five, six, and seven. So he puts it to one side. She's left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not another jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Here's a crazy thing. You know, at that moment, she was like, what? There's no more. The oil's still flowing. Give me a jar. They're like, we well, didn't get enough. At that moment, they're wishing 
they had gotten another jar. At that moment, she's wishing she'd made them go down, down, you know, and take a right and go down to another block and knock on some more doors and have gotten some more jars. But mama, we're tired. Go anyway. We need more jars. But you know, and she wishes at this point that they had more jars. I'd like for you to see this, that the miracle didn't stop happening until she quit having jars to put before the Lord for him to fill. And I believe this with all my heart. If we'll continue to take steps of faith, we'll see, to continue to see God do the miraculous. I believe God desires to do the miraculous. You can say, well, what, what's the miraculous? I would say that at nine o'clock this morning, when a man sitting over here to my left raised his hand and went instantly from death to life, being filled with the Holy Spirit, repented of his sins, turned his life over to Jesus. That's a pretty big miracle. Amen. I believe... I believe God desires to do that. I believe that the miracles never cease when we'll continually put empty jars in front of God. I do not believe that God is done with me. I do not believe God is done with you. And I do not believe that God is done with us. God desires to use us to reach more people. He desires to use us to bring more people into his kingdom. And to disciple them and grow them up. To see their families change. To see their hearts change. To see their lives change. That's what God is calling us to do. Listen to verse seven. It says, she went, on, went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You cannot tell me that at this point she's going, why didn't we get more jars? To live on what's left. Here's a reality for us in our lives. And for some of us, we need to realize this today because we don't know Christ. We don't have a relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing. The only real life that we have comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. Here's the thing I'll tell you. In this text, I would like for you to think about those jars being the steps of faith that we take, giving God room to move. In, in, in our lives and in this text, we think about the oil as being representative of the Holy Spirit. What was God doing? He was pouring his spirit out on this woman's life so that she could be provided for. And in the end, it brought life to her and to her sons and brought him glory. That's what God desires to do in our lives is to fill us full of his Holy Spirit, empty vessels jars of clay as Paul calls it fill us full with his Holy Spirit so that we go out and we pour our lives, our changed lives, the power of the Spirit that flows through us into the world around us reaching people, connecting them to God and connecting them to each other and watching God get all the glory and being exalted because of what he's done that's our call, that's the purpose is that God would fill the empty jars, vision it's so important because it's that giving God empty jars. It's giving God room to move. It's what sets our minds in a certain direction. It's what leads us. There's some things that I want to tell you that, that happens. One of them is this. When we have clear vision, that, that it directs. It, it makes decisions for you. It basically helps make decisions. For example, when we were in the Blue Building, I don't know how many of you were at the Blue Building with us. It was over behind Burger King. You can ride by there. Just go behind Burger King. Keep going straight, and you'll run into the Blue Building. It's just back there. You'll see it. Nothing, nothing great. You hear us talk about it, and it sounds like the Crystal Cathedral or something. I mean, it's like, but it's nothing great to it. It's just a blue, gray, dingy building. And you go back there, and God did some absolutely incredible things in that building. But when there came an opportunity to come over to Statesboro High School, um, it was... It was a decision that we prayed about it and we thought about it and we sought the Lord in it, but we knew this is what God's doing because the vision that God had given us of 2028, he couldn't be fulfilled in the blue building. 
It was a no-brainer. We were doing three services back to back to back. It was about to kill me and our entire staff and our entire worship team. I would be preaching in the third service at 1245 is when it would start. By 1.15, I couldn't remember what scripture I'd read. I couldn't remember what illustrations I'd used. I couldn't remember anything. I felt like my head was a marshmallow just squeezed, you know, like with nothing there, right? And I'd just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking the whole time, have I used that? Have I told them that already? It was, it was impossible. We knew that it couldn't happen there. So when this opportunity came, even though we didn't know exactly how we were going to do it, we knew we had to take that step of faith. Vision makes a lot of decisions for you. It keeps you headed in the right direction. Um, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen is one of the most familiar verses probably to many of us that without a prophetic vision, without a prophetic revelation, people perish or people cast off restraint. Vision keeps us headed in the right direction because it gives us a mindset of what we're to do. Mission keeps us headed in the right direction. Another thing it does is it drives you. It keeps you from settling short or getting comfortable with full jars. It tells you we're not finished. God still has more work he desires to do. And we keep moving forward, not being comfortable with what we have, but knowing that God desires to do more through us. Another one is it gives life and energy. It keeps you moving forward because you know what your purpose is. You know why you exist. It's not like moving a pile of sand from here to here and then picking it up again and moving it from there to there and just doing it for no purpose, just busyness. A lot of churches, we can be busy, but we're not really being productive. We can be busy and we can be active, but we're not really doing what God's called us to do. And so we have to know why has God put us here? What has God put us here to do? We know God's put us here to do Sunday morning worship and preach the word. We know God's put us here to do connect groups. We know God's put us here to... to uh, do student ministry with youth and, and with our, our babies through kindergarten children and first through fifth grade children. And we know God's called us to be a missional church going out and sharing the gospel throughout the world. Those are the things we know that God's called us to do. We've had to say no to some good things because we knew they weren't God things for us. And it keeps us on track and it keeps us energized moving forward. Another one is that it pushes us through uncertainty. There are things in life when we get to when we need to take a step of faith. But the thing is that, that we, we are uncertain about what's going to happen. When we announced we were coming to Statesboro High School, um, and we did a cool video where we put the video camera up on the dash of a car. And we backed up from the blue building, drove around, drove all the way over here. We did it in like time lapse stuff. So it's like really fast. Get you motion sick. And so... We're driving and we get here and the last shot in the video was, um, was this empty auditorium. It was just empty, right? Nobody in it. And so we got to the end of the video and I'm like, people are going to be so excited. There's so many empty seats that we're going to fill up. And when we announced it and I was like, that's where we're going. It was like this. I was like, what? And then it was again. And people didn't know, like, he is insane. He's insane. And here's the crazy thing. It was uncertain. We didn't know. We just believed maybe we could fill this place up. Perhaps God would use us to fill this place up. And so there was a measure of uncertainty. When we moved over here, the most adults we had ever had in, in a service or, or on a Sunday through all of the services was 535. And we stood up and we said, we're going to fill this place up. We just believe God's going to fill it up. And here's the reality of it. We needed 605 more adults, more than double what was coming to the church at that time. But we said, we're going to fill it up. And you know, God did that. You guys are sitting here, here today. It's pretty full. Here's the reality of it. There was about 300 others of you, or not of you, but of, of people who were here before this service at nine o'clock. God does exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever think or imagine. 
and we believe him for big things. I remember one day we had knocked the wall out of the blue building and, and decided that we needed to expand it because the vision demanded that we do that. And we had, we'd expanded this blue building and we put some money into it and we're standing there and it was a huge day. It was ribbon cutting, you know, city councilmen, everybody was there. They were taking pictures. They took a picture of our family and like um, some of the, the people that were part of the church standing in front of the doors, like about to cut the ribbon. And in the picture we got, it, it was in the paper. My kids don't have shoes on. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like the redneck church, you know? And so they, uh, they put it in, it was like this huge day. And I had a lady come up to me that day and she goes, do you believe this? Can you believe this? Isn't this great? Do you believe this? I was like, no, I absolutely don't believe it. This is just crazy. I never thought this would happen. And you know, the Lord rebuked me right then and there with Ephesians 3.20. And he said, don't you know that I desire to do it seedily abundantly more than you could ever think and imagine? How big do you think I am? And I was like, whoa. And I realized like I shouldn't be surprised by God moving. I shouldn't be surprised by God reaching people. That's what he desires to do. God desires to do great things. We get a question quite often and people ask, why do we need bigger vision? Why, why, why do we need bigger vision? And I would ask you this, do you serve a big God? Does God desire to draw people to himself and save them? Yes. And so we're called to do bigger Things to, do, to believe God for greater things, for salvation, for baptism, for people coming to know him. I'd also say this, our mission is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. Can you really connect too many people to God and to each other? No. But we have to keep giving God room to move and keep giving God opportunity to do great things. I would ask you this, does every number matter? It's not about a big number. It's about every person that makes up that number. Here's what we hear all the time. It's just about the numbers. Absolutely. The only reason we think it's PC in church to say it's not about the numbers is because we had to rationalize our ineffectiveness. That's basically it. Churches are called to reach people. And it's not about just reaching a bunch of people. It's about every single person that God knows the number of hairs on their head, that he created them for a purpose, that he desires to be in a relationship with them, and that we're called to reach them. You can't tell this guy who got saved this morning, who gave his life to Christ, he went from death to life, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, that it's not about the numbers, because it was about a number. It was about number 249. The fact that he went from death to life, eternity being altered forever. I've, I've read the Bible, you know, so, 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 so many times I've read it through. And when I get to the new Testament, I begin to read about the church and acts and I begin to read Paul's letters. Here's the thing that I've concluded is that a church that's not growing in numbers and in depth is unbiblical. I can't find one. Everywhere I read, Paul's talking about how, how the gospel is expanding and people are coming to know the church. We don't want to be about numbers. We don't want to be about just reaching people. We don't want to be about talking about that. But the whole book of Acts is full of numbers and the number of people who are being reached, right? That's God's heart. That's his desire. That should be our heart too. That's what we're going to do. We need a big God-honoring, focused vision that sets our mind to reach unbelievers and to connect them to each other and to see God glorified in the world. That's our call. That's our purpose. 
I look at how, how, how vision and mission shapes our, our minds. It begins to, to infuse our hearts with energy. And I thought about the people in the Bible. I thought about Moses. I thought about Joshua. I thought about Nehemiah who went back and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem after they'd been destroyed through an invasion. I thought about all of those people and, and, and how God used them. And I realized they didn't have as much of a strategic plan as they had a direction and a mindset. They knew what they were called to do. And, and here's the thing I believe, that the Bible is very true, that many are the plans in a man's heart, but God determines God directs his steps. Here's the thing I know. We can plan, we can strategize, and yet at the end of the day, God does what he desires to do. This is all we have to do. Give him empty jars, give him rooms, give him vessels that he can fill and use for his glory. That's all we're called to do. God does the rest. So here it is. This is what we're going to do. We started out with 202080. It was going to be 2,000 people by the year 2020. And we're going to go and we're going to reach these folks and we're going to bring them in and we're going to connect them to each other. We'd always measure the strength of our church by the number of people in connect groups and serving. And so that was where we were. And we took that. And, and as we came to, uh, to look at that, there were certain jars that God had to fill. We, we, we started out right here. This jar is, is in my living room. And, and so we started out right here. And, and God, through the power of his spirit, uh, began to fill our living room. Now, if you see our living room, you'll realize it is not a very big jar, right? And so... Especially when you've got three kids riding scooters around the coffee table in circles. It's not a very big jar, and it's a jar that tests your patience very, very much. And so God took that jar, and he took the power of his Holy Spirit, and he filled this place, this living room, where we started with his presence and with his spirit. And he filled that jar. And so he said, all right. Where do we need to meet? Where could we meet? And we found a pond house in the middle of nowhere. And we started meeting out there on Monday nights at 6.30 with seven people at the first meeting. Because Monday night at 6.30 is such an optimal time to invite people to church. We're like, this is it. This is the Lord. There's no doubt this is the Lord. This is his hand. So let's do it, right? No, we're like, well, I don't know when else we're going to do it. Let's do it on Monday night at 6.30. And you know what? God showed up. And you know what God did with that pond house? With a borrowed screen, a borrowed projector, and a MacBook computer for worship. He filled that jar. Some of the most powerful worship services we've ever had were in that pond house. It's not about lights and guitars. It's about the presence of Jesus. Because when he's there, stuff happens. And it's good. And God does great things. And then so we were there one night and we said, hey, we could really use a bigger place to meet. Anybody know anywhere? A guy comes up to me afterwards. He puts us in touch with somebody else who had the blue building. We go over there. They give us about a $45,000 break on the rent for that first year. We didn't pay a dime. It was usually rented out for $45,000. We didn't pay a dime. And you know, we went in the blue building. We began to paint. We began the first message I ever preached in there. We had people hanging sheetrock on a Monday night. I'm like, and Jesus said, Ying! and it's like, wow. And, and yet and they're in another room. And it's like, Jesus, you know, and so, but we had worship and we prayed for people and God showed up and God eventually began to fill that blue building to the point of three services. And we gave God this empty jar and he kept filling it, filling it and filling it and filling it. And then came the time when we realized this jar is full. We need seats. We need a place to go. And, and a stays for a high school, which had been a closed door eight months earlier, came available. And we thought, you know what? That's what we need to do. That's where we can reach people. That can be our next tool for bringing people to know Christ. And so we took a step of faith. We announced 
that we're coming here and we believe that God could fill these seats. And so he began to pour and he began to fill and people were still getting saved and people were still being baptized and God was still working in the hearts of people. And he filled that jar. He filled it. He has filled this. Listen, we went to two services because we knew in August we're going to need seats. And in, in the United States, you get about 80% full. And what they've discovered is we don't like to sit next to each other. Especially if you don't know somebody. And if you talk like this close to somebody's face, you need to back up because that is uncomfortable. And some people are like that. I'll be talking to some people. I'll find out like my back's up against the wall. And the only reason I'm not further back is because the wall's there. It's like right there, right? We like our space. And we realize we need some place to invite people to come and sit. They're not going to be uncomfortable. Like, I don't know why there are big hairy arms on me while I'm trying to sit here and listen to this man. Right? And so we, we just needed some space. And so we saw this jar and we watched God begin to fill it. And we just believe it's the tip of the iceberg. We believe God desires to do greater things. And so here we come to our first empty jar. Some of this for you, depending on how long you've been around, you may have heard some of this before. But the thing that I will tell you, is that for some of you who haven't been around very long, you're going to find feel like I just backed up with a full dump truck, dumped it on you, and drove off, okay? I realize we have to have time to process this, but this first empty jar is 10,000 people in 10 years. We're going from 2020 to 1010. As your vision numbers get lower, you can actually see better, right? You can actually have more focus. And so what we believe is that God is going to allow us through his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus to reach 10,000 people in the next 10 years. And by 2023, there will be 10,000 people worshiping Jesus because of the ministry he's called us to do. This is the thing I can tell you. I don't know every step. I don't. But this is what I can promise you. If God says step, we're going to step. We're going to go. And we're going to trust Jesus to continue to pour his power out in this church. Somebody asked me like, well, what if you only get to 6,000? <laughs> we'll praise Jesus, right? That's 6,000 people. Well, what if you only see 500 people get saved? That's 500 people that are in the kingdom. But we're going to be, my, our mindset, our mission is going to be, we're going after people. And it's amazing how your mind begins to open to the possibilities of what God might want to do. And we're going to pursue him. The next one is one in one. And some of you have heard about this. This is one in one. This is the project, one in one project that we started. Part of it is to build a permanent facility. We'll talk about that in a little while. But the other part of it is the other half of the money is going straight to outreach and missions. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the reality of it is that this is the first jar that God is going to fill. I believe that he will fill this jar. It's a total of $3 million. That's a lot of money, right? That is a lot of money, but I believe this, that God is going to fill it. I'll show you where we are right about now. God has filled it to about right there. We're 10%, about $300,000. But I know this, God's desire, God will do this. If we'll be faithful, he'll fill it. What we've seen God do in the past, I believe gives us courage to go and, and to face the future and the steps of faith that he calls us to. The next one 
If you, and by the way, if you have any questions about one-on-one, we've got a table that's a permanent table. You can go out there and ask all the questions you want about one-on-one and about what it is and about what we're doing. The next one is uh, transitional housing. This may be one that most of you aren't real familiar with. But basically, this is taking people who, they may not be homeless, but they're borderline homeless, or they may be homeless, but it's people who desire to get back on their feet. This is designed to be a hand up, not a hand out. But for people who say, yeah, I want to get back on my feet, we believe that if we can see a need and, and, and we have the capability of meeting the need, that we should meet the need to the glory of God, that we would meet that need. And so we are going to purchase a permanent facility that will house people who we are taking through a program to get them back on their feet. We've already been doing this for the last couple of years, some of it through one-on-one. A lot of it hasn't even been through one-on-one. It's just been through the regular church budget that we would just try to help people and get them back on their feet. And I want to tell you a little bit about the program. It helps people find jobs. For one, we've seen people get permanent employment. It helps provide skills training. We help them get the things they need so they can be um, successful. Um, It helps establish a budget for them. It teaches them about a budget. Some of you people don't even know how to balance a checkbook. We're teaching them these things. We're, we're helping them achieve financial stability so that they can stand on their own feet. And it, most importantly, they're growing in relationships with Christ. So far, we've seen 20 people, not counting children, who've come through this program. It's not just paying a water bill. It's not just paying a light bill. It's helping them get back on their feet. So far, eight people have already gotten permanent living arrangements. Eight people were helped to find jobs. And five people were able to get vehicles that helped them to take care of their families and also to get them to and from work. And, but we believe that that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've also seen over a dozen people come to faith in Christ through this program. And of those people who came to Christ, every single one of them are still involved in a church. We're also setting aside $20,000 per year for five years to help in this. This is this separate from the 217 to get the program off the ground. That'll cover like the first three years of just getting the program going, of getting the facility. And, and we're going to take $20,000 a year for the next five years. And we're going to help people get back on their feet. We're not going to, you know, this old saying of, of we're not just going to give them a fish. We're going to teach them to fish. We're seeing this happen. And people's lives are being changed. Once this is done after the, the, the first three years, it'll take about $38,000 to run it for, for, uh, for the, for the rest of, till Jesus comes back, right? $38,000. That is nothing when you compare it to giving somebody life in Christ. Can you put a dollar value on that? Absolutely not. And so we have this transitional housing jar that we believe that God is going to fill. The next jar is facilities. I would say we need to expand our facilities, but we need a facility, Right? We have no facilities to expand. And so we're looking at building a permanent facility. Right now, we're scattered everywhere. We meet here on Sunday. Our youth are at the Wesley House. We've got our kids on Wednesday at uh, the the Honey Bowen Recreation Department building. We've got our college students during the summer meeting at 180 Fitness. We've got people everywhere, right? And and here's the thing. I don't mind being mobile. But the thing that happens is when we're mobile, it, it, it takes a lot of energy. And it takes a lot of focus away from being able to do ministry. What we want to do is people focus on people, not people focused on setting up pipe and drape all the time, right? And here's the thing. Nobody ever asked the question, why do you want to build a permanent facility if they've helped with setup? You know what I'm saying? Like if that's your question, 
5.30 next Sunday, we'll answer that for you, right? And we've had people that, that they'll come and they'll help set up and they're like, man, I'll just write a bigger check. I don't want to do this every Sunday. And, and the reality of it is, yeah, it, it, we, we need it. And I want you to understand that a facility is, is exactly that. It facilitates reaching people. It's a tool. I can honestly tell you, if we can meet here until Jesus comes back. It doesn't matter. I don't have to have a building. I've got an office. I've got a place to read my Bible. That's about all it takes, right? In fact, ministry, basically, if you've got a Bible and you've got somebody to talk to, that's a ministry opportunity. That's about what you need. But I believe for the longevity of the ministry, we need this. I believe there's great opportunity to reach people. Just having a building doesn't mean much, but having a tool that's bringing people into the gospel. I believe this will be the place that, that we gather so that we can scatter. I don't know if y'all know this, but on a typical Sunday, there's about three to 400 missionaries that come from Georgia Southern University. They don't know they're missionaries, but they're missionaries because one day they're gonna graduate and they're gonna go into banking or they're gonna go into teaching or they're gonna go into construction or they're gonna go into something and they're gonna be sent out into the world to go and we're going to have missionaries all over the face of the earth because of these people coming in and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you realize this, thank yep. I got five minutes. I don't know if you realize this, but, but they, they pour so much into this church. The energy, the resources these students bring is absolutely incredible. But I look at it as if we're raising up missionaries to send out. And I believe this, this permanent facility is going to be a place that we scatter, not just gather. We've already got land. We bought land about a year and a half, two years ago. It's next to Sally Zetterar School, the new Sally Z. It's going to cost uh, about 5 to $6 million to build this facility. But here's the thing I look at. Can you put a dollar amount on changing people's lives? Absolutely not. I can tell you this, there's, 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 there's uh, about 1.5 million is what we'll have to have. We're raising 3 million total for one and one. Half of it's going to missions and outreach. Half of it's going to a permanent facility, $3 million. And so I believe that's what God is going to call us to do. The last jar is church plants, planting churches, planting campuses. One of the questions that we get is what's the difference in a satellite campus and a church plant? Well, this is what we believe that God's called us to plant churches or satellite campuses in other places. There are people, there are places that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people, there are places that, 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 that need to hear it. And you can say, well, why don't we just support another church? Well, here's the reason why. Studies have shown, I think it was Barna that did the study, that 80 to 85% of churches are either plateaued or dying. So why not support just another church? Because I believe this with all my heart, it is much easier to give birth than it is to raise the dead. And so we're going to invest in planting churches. Satellite campuses would be where we put our message into a campus. There would be a local pastor who shepherds that flock, but there would be a message that came from this location. Can you imagine Statesboro, Georgia changing the state of Georgia? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Glad you're excited about that. And then, then you've also got church plants where we've seen, you saw Billy Shiver, you saw Sean Fox um, who preached the last two weeks of, of this message. And you saw that through the, their preaching and through the, the serving that took place here during those days, that six people went from death to life in Christ. And, and those people, those people who are called, those men who are called to go and plant, we want to raise them up. We want to equip them to go and plant a church, to go and do what God's called them to do. And that's what we want to see happen. And so you say, well, will it be a satellite? Will it be a church plant? Yes, absolutely. 
Whatever tools God gives us, we're going to use them for his glory. We're going to believe that he will fill up these churches, these jars, these empty jars with people who need to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ. We believe that's what God has called us to do. Where will we plant the churches? Wherever God says. When will we plant them? When God says. That can be frustrating, but you know what? We're going to listen to God and do what he says. I hope that the first one's within the next two and a half years. I really do. I hope we'll be able to send somebody out or, or find a place that's like, yeah, we need what you guys are doing. And we go in there and we begin to change lives through the power of the spirit of God. But we know that God's called us to do this. We're also looking for opportunities to come alongside a church plant in a foreign country. We believe that, that the best thing to do is, is, is to, to help a church grow, resource a church so that it can reach the people in its community because they're there. They're in the community day by day doing life with people in that community. We want to help them do that however we can resource them. We've set aside over $300,000 of this one-in-one project to be used in foreign missions to help churches reach their communities. I believe the local church is the hope of the world as people share the gospel in their own communities. And this is what God, we believe that God is desiring to do. And this is what I believe is going to take place. This is how the Lord, I believe, has called us to do this. I believe the first thing that's going to happen is God's going to fill this jar of one in one. And then I believe this, God's going to take that one in one jar and he's going to fill transitional housing. And then God is going to take that one-in-one jar and he's going to fill up the permanent facility. And then God is going to take the one-in-one jar, making some of y'all need to go to the bathroom, isn't it? And he's going to plant churches and he's going to plant campuses. And he's going to fill up those campuses. And then I believe this with all my heart, that God is going to take that transitional housing and he's going to pour it into the vision of 10,000 people in 10 years. And then God is going to take that permanent facility and he's going to pour it in to this 10,000 in 10 years vision, 10, 10, 80. And he's going to begin to fill it until it's overflowing. And then God is going to take those church plants and those satellite campuses, and he's going to continue to fill until it just absolutely runs over. And in 10 years, we're sitting around looking at each other going, what jar do we need to give God? Believe that with all my heart. I do, I do. Like, I just have seen what God's done. And it's not because of who we are, it's because of who God is. And I believe that he will overflow the jars that we give, that we'll be sitting here looking at it and going, God needs another jar. And as a church, we're going to continue giving him those opportunities, giving him opportunities to work and to move and to grow us. There's one last scripture I want to share with you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And by the way, you know the thing that amazes me is we look at this jar and we think it is so big, but, but I did this intentionally. Each jar is the same size. You know why? Because they're all the same to God. Like we look at them and we're like, oh, that's so big. And God's like, what? That's so big. God's like, I got that. Right? They're all the same to him. He's God. He's the creator of everything. Second Corinthians 4, 
beginning in verse six, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, the thing that I see every time someone comes to salvation is I see the power of God. I see a miracle because here's the thing I know. Nobody believes this message apart from God revealing it and shining the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ into the heart of his people. And we witness a miracle every time someone comes to salvation. And I realized like this is not our power. This is what Paul says. He's saying God's poured his power, the knowledge of Jesus, the power of the spirit into jars of clay. That's me and you. If you're in Christ, God has filled this empty jar full. And he's given us the ability to now go out and pour. See, it's God's responsibility that he is faithful to provide the power. It's our responsibility to go out and pour. And when we pour out, God fills up. And when we pour out, God fills up. And we continue to pour. And we continue to see God do incredible things. We continue to give jars. He continues to fill. And we continue to pour. That's what God has called us to do. But here's the thing that I realize and I recognize. Is that there are a lot of people in here right now who you would say, I'm empty. I don't really feel like I have anything to pour out. And there's one of two reasons for that. One reason is that, that, that today you don't know Jesus. Jesus has never poured his spirit into you and you don't know Christ. You haven't believed this message that we proclaim because God hasn't drawn you to himself yet. But today God has opened your heart to receive this message, to realize that there was a man named Jesus who walked the face of the earth, who did live a perfect life for you, who was truly born of a virgin, as the Bible says, lived a perfect sinless life, was nailed to a, to a cross, took your sin upon his body, died in your place as your substitute, was put in a tomb, three days later, kicked open the door, walked out, ascended to heaven, and now sits at the right hand of God making intercession on your behalf. And he simply says today, I invite you to come into a relationship with me to have your sins forgiven and to allow me to impart new life into you. That's the good news of the gospel. But some of us are empty today because we haven't yet received that. And here's the thing. I believe somebody in here today, there are people, maybe multiple people who know that I need Jesus. I need to be a part of him. I need to be a part of what God is doing in this church. I need to be brought into the family. Some of us here today are empty because we haven't allowed God to fill us. There maybe is an obstacle in our way. For some of us, we need to start reading our Bible so we can hear what God says about himself and about us. Some of us, we need to start praying. Some of us, that's our next step. For some of us, we need to start serving, get in the connect group. We need to be get, taking these next steps of faith. For some of us, there's something in our life today that we know I need to get out of the way so that God can fill my heart. But whatever it is, I'm telling you, do not waste the opportunity to be filled with the power and the presence and the joy and the love and the grace of Jesus. Because God desires to fill his people and to pour out his spirit into them that we can pour it into others. I'm telling you, that's why you were created for no other reason than where you are, you proclaim Christ. 
but you're empty. And here's the thing I want to ask you today, you know, like I don't have a relationship with Jesus and all this vision stuff is great. And Matt talked about the family and being with the family, but I'm not a part of the family. I've never received Christ. I don't know him. I need a relationship with him. I've heard about him. I've been around his presence, but I've never had his presence in me. And today you say, I need salvation. Today is the day of salvation for you. This is what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you to raise your hand right now, right where you sit, raise it high and wave at me in case I can't see you. You put your hand up so we can celebrate today you coming into the family of God. Will you put your hand up right now, right here, right now? We've seen one today already. You take your first step, we'll help you take the rest. But you've got to come to the place of realizing God is drawing me to himself. And today I want to receive his grace into my life by putting my faith in Jesus. You raise your hand. Here's the thing I know about many people in here today you would say your life's empty I don't know him I don't know him but today you got to take that first step many people in here today your life's empty because you haven't allowed him to fill you in so long something in your life you've walked away you turned your back there's something going on this is what I'd like to ask you today listen this body is only as strong as the people and the spirit of God working in it. But today you say, I need to be filled. I need to be filled. The Bible says if we'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. Today you say, I need prayer. I need prayer. Listen, bad people don't need prayer. Good people don't need prayer. All people need prayer. Today you say, I need prayer for something in my life. I'm gonna ask you right now, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and we're gonna believe that God today would fill you with the power of his spirit. But you stand up and just say, I need prayer. Listen, this is, this, is, this is just who we are. This is just where we are. This is our life. We need prayer for something. Would you stand up and let us pray with you right now as a church, as a church body? We want to pray for you. Stand up. Thank you. Stand. A, if we're the body of Christ, this should be the safest place we can possibly come, right? There's no shame in this. This is saying, I need, I need my, my family to pray for me. Will you stand up? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're sitting next to someone standing, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand on them. I know some of you aren't the touchy-feely type of people. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand on them and let them know that you're praying for them. For some of you, listen, we're going to pray, and God, God maybe is, is moving in your heart, and you know I need the Lord. I need to be in his presence. I need need somebody to walk with me. Don't let this be the last step. This is the first step. Let us help you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you take your next steps, but we can't take them for you. But we can walk with you. We can encourage you. Don't let this be the last step. For some of you, you need to contact us and let us know what it is you want or you need that we can help you with. Look around. If you're, if you're accustomed to being here, you've been here for a while, look around. If there's somebody standing by themselves, you go, you go stand by them and you pray with them. I don't want anybody standing by themselves right now. They're a family dadgummit. We're going to act like one. All right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for filling us, God, with your spirit. Thank you for life. God, I thank you for these precious people who, who are here today, who, who God has said, I need you. And I thank you that we hunger and thirst for you, God. You fill us. And so I pray that you would fill these jars of clay, these jars of clay, Lord, that um, God, we're imperfect, but God, when we're filled with your spirit, we come 
we become supernaturally empowered by you. Lord, I pray that you would just do a great work in them. I pray that you would give them the courage to just take the next step, whatever next step you lead them to. If it's coming and seeking out help, whatever it may be, if it's letting a staff person talk with them, if it's going and letting our prayer team pray with them, whatever it might be, Lord, let us help them. And God, I pray you'll lead them to take their next step. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We praise you, God, for being so amazing and so good. We trust you. We believe you're going to do incredible and awesome things in the future. God, we love you and praise you for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, guys, here's the thing. The Lord is here. The Lord is working. He is present. We're over. We're over. I had a lot to cover today. We're over. We're going to sing one more song. If you got a roast in the oven, you got to go, we'll see you. But we're going to worship, right? And so we're going to sing this song. I believe God desires to do things still in our heart. If while we're singing this song, you know, my next step, I need to go get prayed for. There are people over here to my left, to your right, who'll be glad to pray with you. Go and out there and go and let them pray. If you know I should have raised my hand for salvation today and you say, I, I missed the opportunity. No, you didn't. Walk out during this song and say, I need to know Jesus. And they'll lead you. They'll help you take your next step. But that's what we're here for is to connect you to God and help connect you to other believers. So you come and you go out there and you go get prayed for. But right now we're going to sing a song and, and we're going to worship Jesus, the God who gave it all for us. Amen. God bless you.